Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio on what seems like an emergency broadcast. There are pigweed escapes in corn and soybeans. Repeat, pigweed escapes. <laughs> what are we going to do about them? I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We'll be talking about those pigweed escapes and hopefully giving you a little hope on today's program. All right, first of all, there is no such thing as a super weed. There's nothing that's resistant to iron. There is nothing that is resistant to every single herbicide known to man. There are absolutely ways to kill pigweeds out there. The problem is once they get to a certain height, it's going to be real challenging. So we wanted to talk about that a little bit today. In corn and soybeans, pigweed may be the worst problem you have on your farm. I know for us, it definitely is. So by pigweed, we're talking about primarily water hemp in the north, palmer pigweed in the south. They are virtually identical plants. They are both smooth pigweeds. They can put on a million seeds per plant. They are they can grow very quickly. I mean, we have documented three inches of growth in a day. Two inches in a day is very common. So it's a it's a real challenge. It just and there are a lot of different types of pigweed out there besides water hemp and palmer pigweed. And even if you have water hemp or palmer pigweed, they might look a little different from plant to plant, field to field. The reason why is there are different biotypes. There are crosses. So kind of like when you have field corn or soybeans or, for that matter, winter wheat, spring wheat, just about any crop, it doesn't all look the same. There are different biotypes. So there are some biotypes that are going to be more tolerant or in some cases resistant to certain herbicides and others, they're more susceptible. So anyway, we're going to talk about pigweed escapes on the show today. If you've got any questions for us, just give us a call 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. So we're not going to get to the agphd mailbag until just a little bit later in the show, but I, I and, and mainly because I want to talk about pigweed right off the bat here, because this is, I, I'll just put it this way, I'm very passionate about this weed because so many people have a problem and we think we can help you. So while there may be escapes post-emerge, I want to step back for just a second and let's talk about some other ways that we can control pigweed. So, and, and I realize some of these things at this point in your crop may be all hindsight and you say, well, it's not going to do me any good this year. But I I'll put it this way. On our own farm, I am always writing things down and putting them in my calendar reminder for 9, 10, 12 months from now. And you might say, my gosh, you're planning stuff out a year in advance? Yes. And here's why. Because I'm constantly making mistakes. <laughs> and I want to figure out, how do I fix the mistakes? How do I do better next time? And it's hard to remember when some of these things you only do once a year. Let's face it, you're only spraying pre-emerge herbicides on your farm in corn or soybeans once a year. Well, are you really going to remember 11 months later from the time you finished spraying this year to the time you start spraying next year? Are you going to remember 11 months later exactly what went right or wrong? 
I it, well, you you might have a much better memory than I do, but I sure can't remember stuff real great. So I write it down and I put it in my calendar and I say, oh, okay. Next year, we're going to do a little better job. Here's where we screwed up this year. Here's how I want to fix that problem next year. So anyway, with pre's, I'll, I'll put it this way. We have effective pre-emerge herbicides. But once you lose those, if you don't get them on is what I'm trying to say, then you may not have those same choices post-emerge and you're not going to be as effective. We were talking about this just a little bit yesterday in soybeans. So... I I was up in West Central Minnesota talking to some agronomists and they said, okay, we got all this water hemp out here. You know, how are we going to get it under control? And they said, guys, you can't kill it in one shot because you have no prion. You're, it's going to take at least two, two shots. And here's part of the problem. If you don't get some of the weeds under control in the first place, now the weeds are so thick later that you can't get below the canopy of the weeds themselves, not the crop canopy, the weed canopy. <laughs> there are little weeds underneath all that thick mat of weeds that you've got, and there's no way to get spray coverage on that. So you're never going to have perfect control. So this is a big reason why you want pre's. And what we always talk about is the three pre's in soybeans. That's using a yellow, so either trifluralin or prowl, metribuzin, and then either authority or valor, because all three of those modes of action are effective on pigweed. Now, you might say, hey, there's some PPO tolerance and people are talking about resistance, whatever. Okay, look, part of the reason why we say three effective modes of action is if one does happen to fall out of bed, you still have two left. If you're only going out there with one or two, if one doesn't work, all of a sudden you've got a real serious problem. Here's the next thing. I just said each plant for pigweed can put on a million seeds, a million seeds. If let's say even half of those grow, that's a half a million seeds per plant. If you had just 10 plants in the whole field go to seed and you figure only half of the seeds are going to grow, that's 5 million pigweeds you got to deal with. 5 million and you say, well, my herbicide's great. It's going to kill 99%. Well, that sounds nice. But out of 5 million, that's still going to leave you with 50,000 weeds in your field, and that's going to hurt yield significantly. So that's the problem. we got to thin things out, and it starts with the pre-emerge herbicides. In corn, I just tell you, it's the same kind of conversation. There are a lot of pre's that can be used, but not many people are using more than one effective mode of action. One. That's what we commonly see. One, that's not enough. Not enough to thin things out and not enough if you start having problems. Anyway, post-emerge, there are a lot of different options. We're going to talk about many of those today. Uh, so we're, we're going to bring on a few guests. We're going to talk a little bit more about what we've seen that works well. So stay tuned. It's Pigweed Escapes in corn or soybeans. We'll tell you how to solve this problem on your farm right after this. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. 
This is Mike. Hey. He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no. Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Alert, alert, there are pigweed escapes in corn and soybean fields across North America. We're talking about how to take care of those problems on today's Ag PhD radio show. Thanks for joining us. Broadcasting live from the Morton studio today, taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. We don't need any more pictures of your pigweed problems, though. We've seen quite a few of them. We we know what you're talking about. It does get pretty thick out there. That's why we want to try and stop them with a, at least a two-shot approach. Got Matt Inman on with us right now with BASF to talk about pigweed just a little bit. Matt, how you doing? Hey, good afternoon. I'm doing well. hope you guys are. Is there any weed that you get more questions on than pigweed? That that has definitely been the driver weed. Um, I'll say the past year or two, maybe ryegrass has been creeping into that conversation in, in some areas. Sure, sure. Yeah, with pigweed, it's it's definitely been a problem for a while, and it's not going away anytime soon. But fortunately, we do have a lot of different tools to try to get after it. So where, where do you start, Matt? I mean, if we've got a pre down and we still see pigweed come through and maybe that pre even worked 99% when there's so many pigweeds out there, there's still going to be uh, a number of them that make it through. And and when they do, we got to get after them to get them under control. Absolutely. Yeah. I, like you said, definitely starting with our pre's and, and hopefully we're starting clean, whether that's from tillage or maybe a combination with our residual herbicides. But Big thing, to, you know, whatever crop you're in is trying to be as timely as possible, um, and whether it's soybeans or corn or cotton or whatever, but whatever our post-program, um, just be as timely or, or two to three inch weaved or less if possible and, and also throw in, throw in uh, that residual partner within that tank mix as well. You know, that post-emerge residual partner has been a really big deal, and 
for for guys this year, there've been there've been so many farmers we've talked to that oh, I have to do that. I've seen it in the past. It makes a big difference, but it does take some moisture to get those things going. That's why, uh, to your point, Matt, about being timely, we kind of say if you're throwing that post residual out there, put it out earlier than you ever think you need it, so you have some time to get rain. That's right. Yeah, I, I, I give the same encouragement too. It's like okay, if if I think I'm going out here try to think maybe back up a week and try to make that plan instead of when you think you need to it's kind of where we're very reactionary um and a lot of times we we're getting out to the field uh, a week or two later than we wanted to or assumed we <laughs> thought we could get out there so we're it's just a struggle from from the start my brother was talking about this just a minute ago about how part of the problem here and everybody just as soon as a pigweed is out there in a field, oh, we've got resistance, we've got resistance. In some cases, we've got a coverage issue. And and as we talk about escape weeds now in corn and soybean fields, we've got fields that are canopied or close to it. And there's some weeds kind of hiding out underneath there. They're tough to get. I'm, I'm guessing you probably don't have any innovative way of getting underneath the canopy to do a perfect job yet, do you? No, other, uh, you know, that's the, that's the part. And that's what we want to get the canopy. But yeah, you're right. That's, um, definitely an issue with those, those late emerging, later emerging weeds. Um, you know, with some drop nozzles, um, or something that depends on how tall the crop is, obviously. But yeah, that's definitely a struggle. And, and then we have to look towards post harvest weed control, right? That late season control and, um, just trying to prevent those plants from going to seed and, and replenishing that seed bank. You know, as, as we're out there targeting pigweeds, there are other species out there. Fortunately, a lot of our best products for pigweeds and our multiple mode of action approach uh, has helped take care of some of these other weeds out there too. Uh, but but with pigweed, I think one of the challenges has been just the how long a window there is for pigweed emergence. I, I mean, we were seeing pigweeds early this year where, where we had some good heat. But now they're still coming out there, and it feels like it's just never going to end. I'm I'm thankful, Matt, that I'm up in the north because at least we know we're going to have winter. So we got a few months we don't have to fight pigweed. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, growing up here in North Carolina and working predominantly in the southeast. It's uh, yeah, once that soil temp gets you know 60 degrees, 65 degrees, we'll have multiple three, four, five flushes throughout the season. Uh, of Palmer and and yes, it's uh, can be a bear and sometimes definitely in the deep south. Uh, sometimes they're just are dealing with it all year round. Yeah, talk to us a little bit about different chemistries now. I mean, we've we've looked at Liberty as one where man, Liberty works, but guys that are using it all by itself are, are certainly taking some risk. That if it ever does miss a weed, we could end up with some resistance out there too. Are, are you seeing tank mix partners being used with Liberty or, or what are growers doing to try to preserve that chemistry and others? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, you know, every time we're talking about Liberty, it's, you know, you've got to use other things. Um, and, and Liberty is a fantastic herbicide and product, uh, but we have got to do everything we can to preserve it. Um, so, Definitely, uh, with, with our beans and cotton, um, you know, our extend flex system, our enlist system, you know, ideally it's go early with our dicamba products with Ingenia. You know, we're already past cutoff, right, with, with some states. So we're, um, 
you know, right at that line, but follow up with the Liberty application. Um, the enlist system, right, you can tank mix enlist in Liberty, um, and, that, and that does a, a fantastic job as well. What have you seen in those enlist tank mixes? We've had a lot of questions around that this year because we definitely have growers saying, wow, that's the best thing I've ever seen for weed control post-emerge. And then other growers kind of playing with rates. Well, do I use a full rate of this or a part rate of one of them? What do you like to see with that enlist one Liberty combo? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I know realistically that's definitely a, a, a constant conversation, um, but it's, I, I will, will never recommend not going that full rate. We Again, we've got to take advantage of those chemistries and that technology that we have um, and, and to keep it. And we start messing around with rates and reducing rates, and we're just, we're asking for trouble um, <laughs> to not get full control of those pigweeds for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't want to see anything sneak through either. It just stinks to uh, to spend the money We're using multiple modes of action. I get it. It costs more than just using one product, but doing a great job on weed control sets you up down the road too. We're, we're talking about pigweed escapes in corn and soybeans, and uh, a lot of growers say, well, man, if I do a great job in my corn program, I have less weeds popping up in my soybeans, and that's helpful. Yeah. And I, I agree, and I think in the soybeans, if we can do an excellent job on weed control, we have less that we have to deal with in the corn. So kind of a, a nice mix uh, for, for controlling pigweed long-term. We're talking with Matt Absolutely. Inman here with BASF. Matt, anything else you want to add to the pigweed discussion? That's it. Uh, guys, I, I guess I, I would encourage, you know, wh whatever your herbicide program is, is we're looking forward, uh, I know it's a tough battle, but just encourage folks, maybe implement one new thing this year or this fall, whether it's a cover crop this fall, a fall residual, putting that post residual, um, or a cultural practice, just maybe try one new thing this year. Um, you know, I, we, we get in a rut. We, we do the same thing over and over a lot of times and expect different results. Um, and again, just trying to encourage um, growers and customers to just think outside the box. Yeah, great tips there, Matt. Thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on, and, and good luck to you here this summer. Absolutely. Take care. Talking about pigweed escapes in corn and soybeans on our show today. If you have questions, it's 844-44-AG-PHD or radio at agphd.com. I, I love how Matt closed things out there, Brian. Just try one new thing this year, and you don't have to try it on a ton of acres. Just pick one field or part of a field and try something. We definitely have heard comments about cover crops being helpful, holding down certain weed species. Uh, I do like that fall treatment on some of the weeds that emerge early in the spring next yeah. year, too. and then also let's talk about cultural practices, planting early and having a thick canopy. So in other words, there's there have been a lot of people talking about planting fewer soybeans, and I'm going, wait a second, wait, whoa. You're talking about you have more weed problems, and now you want to cut your planting population? No. you got to increase your planting population and go to narrower rows. You do that, you're going to have a much thicker canopy. The plants are going to be taller, and they are going to choke out a lot of weeds. When the weeds don't get sun, they die. That's awesome. So that's just a simple cultural practice that anyone can do. We'll talk more about pigweed right after this. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. 
From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. CNB, your local John Deere dealer, is committed to helping you in the field. The CNB Support Center brings you machine monitoring, remote diagnostics, and guidance from expert technology specialists all season long. Learn more about what the CNB Support Center can do for you at DeerEquipment.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Nothing but net. Win your soybean season with the fast knockdown and lasting broad spectrum control of Elevest Insect Control from FMC. Take on army worms, stink bugs, soybean loopers, and more with the maximized ratio of premier active ingredients for better overall control of more than 40 labeled pests. Visit your FMC retailer or elevest.ag.fmc.com to up your game this season. Always read and follow all label directions. When it comes to serial disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Talking pigweeds on today's Ag PhD radio show and taking your calls and questions too at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to Arkansas. Uh-oh, we're talking pigweeds and we've got Thomas Butts with us right now at the University of Arkansas. This is a big challenge down in Arkansas. Thanks for joining us, Tom. Yeah, thanks for having me today. All right, we hear about resistance, and a lot of times these reports come out of the state of Arkansas. It seems like growers there have tried just about everything, and these pigweeds just keep coming. So talk to us about what's working, and and what are some of the things you've learned from some of the mistakes guys have made over the years, too? Oh, man, it's uh, it's a challenge, that's for sure, down here. Um, you know, we have pretty much documented resistance to just about every everything now in our palmer amaranth populations down here so we mainly deal with palmer uh not a whole lot of water hemp or other things but uh we have 
um, you know, PPO resistance widespread, glyphosate resistance widespread. Uh, we have group 15 resistance, so things like dual magnum aren't working great for us in a lot of areas anymore. Um, we do have documented uh, liberty resistance, and we do have documented auxin resistance. So we got a little bit of everything down here at this point. Uh, the plus side is a lot of like the liberty and auxin stuff is still limited uh, as far as its distribution, so it works in, in a lot of our areas. Um, but it's really boiling down to the best case scenario for our weed control measures goes back to hammering residuals, you know, and, and overlapping residuals and making sure we just never let them get out of the ground because otherwise once they're up, our post-emergence options are pretty limited. Uh, and one of our main residual options that we, that we use a lot and rely on a lot is metribuzin. That's become a real key component of our, of our pre-residual programs because it provides a lot to us and we don't have documented resistance yet. So that's a big player for us down here. Yeah, fortunately, it's not that expensive, too. That's that's one of the good things I hear growers say, at least. Like, oh, I got to add Metribuzin. I suppose this is another $20. No, it's it's more like 5 bucks maybe. And growers like, oh, okay, that's not so bad. That's right, exactly. It's economical. And really the only warning sign that we give to people is, you know, there is some varied tolerance amongst, uh, you know, soybean varieties. So you kind of got to watch that a little bit and know that you've got a, a somewhat tolerant variety. But other than that, yeah, it's a it's a great a great tank mix partner. It really helps pick up pigweeds. And like you said, it's it's cheap, which is always a huge plus. What do you see from growers about changing cultural practices? Do you see planting dates making a difference? Do you see um, using cover crops or uh, increasing population, some of those tactics working? So, you know, we try a lot of different things down here, too, along those lines. It's, it just can be challenging uh, with our Arkansas environment and some of our soil types and, and, and the diversity of crops that we grow to kind of do a lot of those different practices, though, especially like broad scale. You know, individual farmers can implement certain things, but broad scale, it gets pretty challenging. Um, you know, like earlier planting dates, like particularly with soybeans, gets gets relatively challenging because a lot of guys need to get their corn in early, need to get their rice in early, and then, you know, beans can kind of get pushed to the back end of that just because they're trying to get everything else in first. Um, you know, they, it can help. We have seen that because the more you can get those soybeans up before the heat of the summer when pigweeds really start germinating a whole bunch, it can help to give you a head start. It's just a challenge with our, our you know, cropping systems the way they are, though. Um, cover crops have been a real, uh, a real plus there too. And we do have the warm weather in the fall to help us get them established and get some biomass going. The one challenge we have there is a lot of the times, once we're taking crops off, we turn into our wet season. We really have a wet season throughout the fall and the winter. And once it goes wet, it stays wet. And so then we have trouble getting it established potentially then in the fall and, and things like that. So, you know, a lot of those cultural practices, we, we, we try and implement as much as possible, but it can really just be hit or miss because of our environmental conditions and, and some of our cropping systems that we that we grow. Talk to me about plant population. And this is one that uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier on the show about how we, we see a movement across the country. Guys are saying, man, I, I can get good yields with lower planting populations. But we see work by Iowa State and others saying, man, you go lower, lower planting populations, you have sunlight getting through the canopy and now you got more pigweeds. So it, it's kind of a tough deal. Yeah, and you know, seeding rate. I had some research from uh, from my masters actually looking at a little bit of seeding rate and row spacing and, and effects of along those lines. And 
you know, lowering the seating rate, you know, or, or I guess I should say increasing seating rate can help us at times to, uh, to try and help, you know, smother out some pigweeds and things like that. But in a lot of the, like, my research at least that I've seen and in some others, it tends to be one of the lesser impacts. You know, really to me, row spacing is a much bigger deal. And now, granted, you got to switch equipment or you got to do other things there, which is a little bit more challenging on that front. But if we can narrow up our rows, that goes a lot further than if we can increase those seeding rates a little bit. Uh, and with the amount, the, you know, the, the high cost of seed anymore, you know, bumping that seeding rate is a real challenge for me to recommend for the for the little bit of increased weed control that you get the the economics of it I don't know if it always works out in favor of a farmer for from that side of it so the seeding rate side of things I always tend to be you know if we're if we've been going really super low yeah maybe you can bump it a little bit but I don't like to see it get bumped super high just because I don't think it gives us as much of a benefit as some other things like maybe reducing row widths or trying to implement cover crops or really just using a solid strong residual programming getting those those soybeans or corn or whatever it is off to a good start if we can get them off to a good start and get them developing canopy ahead of any weeds emerging that's normally been the number one thing to get us out in front and and really lead to long-term success throughout the year talking to tommy butts down at university of arkansas uh tommy i'm not an expert about the state of arkansas but there is so much diversity there's there's a wide range of soils and fertility and also a wide range of crops that are grown. Are you seeing more success in, in certain soil types or certain crop rotations controlling pigweed? You know, I wouldn't say, you know, across our soil types, I think it's pretty well, uh, we've got pigweeds a little bit of everywhere, you know, there uh, across the board, across the state. Um, you know, generally speaking, where we've really seen the most benefit uh for managing pigweeds is in our, our rice soybean rotations. Um, so rice is, is a big crop here in Arkansas. Uh, we grow about a million to a million and a half acres every year of rice. And because we flood rice, the one thing that pigweed has not become resistant to yet is an excessive amount of water. And so we've been able to, when we flood our fields, it kills those pigweeds off, which helps us out a lot in our rotation years. We can kind of take out a whole flush of them. Uh, there's been some research that shows flooding can actually degrade the seed. And so even when they're not, you know, when, even when you're killing them, once they germinate, we're also degrading some seed in the flood as well and things like that. So the rice rotation has helped us out a lot with our, with our soybean acres. Uh, in hey, our corn acres, hey, Tommy, we have a... Oh, Tommy, uh, yeah, on, that, on the rice, how about the levees? And that's one thing that I've noticed that the levees a lot of times will just get loaded with pigweed. Are, are guys trying to specifically target something for treatment on the levees or, or how do you handle that? Yes, definitely. So we uh, we have a couple different products that we can use. Propanil is one. It's kind of like a burner where we'll spray on on levees. And a lot of times, like you said, when it's only levees that are covered up, we've got some specialized spray equipment that only sprays the levees, and we don't have to spray an entire you know paddy field. Um, so so Propanil is one that does a really good job burning it down. We also have another auxin type product called Loyant that's really really good at uh, at killing pigweeds on that front too. So we do have a couple options there in rice that can help us out a lot. And and Prowl uh, is one of our big rice residual herbicides for for barnyard grass control. And so that helps us too on the pigweed front, giving us some residual against uh, against pigweeds as well. So we've got a few different options in rice to kind of battle it a little bit. 
uh, on that front. You mentioned um, you mentioned a bunch of different products and chemical families that there was resistance with. Uh, what about that family that Prowl is in? Is, is it still helpful, and do you see a big difference? I know we always used to see a big difference, higher rates of Prowl we did better. Now we're utilizing a lot of metribuzin in, and that maybe masks some of our observations. But do you, do you see high rates of trifluralin products or Prowl products really being helpful? So the the trifluralin you know side of things we we struggle with a little bit just because it has to be soil incorporated right, right? and right. so that always kind of throws a wrench into things on that front and it, I've had really good luck with it when we've done it in some trials and a few farmers that I that I've talked to that have used it that it's worked really well for them but it's just it it, it only goes out in limited options because of that incorporation factor. Uh, yes. On the prowl front, it's still really effective, but I will say we do have increasing resistance to that family of herbicides too. So it's it's still an effective option. Like we're still promoting it, wanting to use it, but it's definitely it's not going to be a sole player on its own because sure. we are ha- losing some options there. No, we definitely got to stack those up to uh, to keep them effective. No doubt about it. Talking to Tommy Butts here down at University of Arkansas. Tommy, thank you so much. Really appreciate all the info. Stay tuned. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. The success of next year's harvest begins with this year's harvest. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. 360 Chain Roll is a simple replacement stalk roll for your corn head. Chain Roll doubles the rate of stalk breakdown. It crimps and cuts tough stalks to boost microbial activity and speed breakdown. And compared to chopping heads, it reduces emergence issues in next spring's crop. See 360 Chain Roll in action at 360yieldcenter.com. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. There's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. Preview 2.1 SC herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode of action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. 
And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today talking pigweed escapes in corn and soybeans. So let's talk about your post-emerge options. We'll start with corn. Now I'm going to assume that for most people listening today, your corn is getting big. If your corn was small, personally, we like status the best. Now, a lot of people view status as, oh, it's just dicamba. Oh, no, no, it's not just dicamba. The actual main weed killer in there, the active ingredient is called diflufenzapyr. There's only a splash of dicamba in there. There's not much. Basically, what dicamba is, it's a, it's a plant growth regulator. It tries to grow the plant to death. And so basically, it helps the diflufenzapyr work faster, which is great. Yeah, status is dramatically different than just straight dicamba, and it is far superior. There's not even a contest. It's so much better. So anyway, if you have a serious pigweed problem in corn, you just use status. Done. Now, if you don't want to use status and spend that money, because it is 20 bucks an acre, you might want to use a straight dicamba product, which is fine, but you got to spray that early. Even Diflex. I don't like, I just don't like that sprayed past V5, even with the safener. Same thing with status. I don't like that past V5, even with the safener, because um, number one, I'm not fully sold on the safener. Number two, we just don't want to see volatility and drift issues all over the place. So because of the volatility and drift, a lot of people don't use status. They don't use dicamba. They use an HPPD. That's what we use on our farm. Here's the problem. We're seeing a lot of tolerance, and in some cases, we believe potentially resistance to HPPDs with pigweed species. So if the HPPD isn't enough, then what are you going to do? Well, I don't care which of these products we've talked about so far, Status, Dicamba, HPPD. If you have Roundup Ready Corn, always throw Roundup in there. And you can throw a little bit of atrazine in. A little atrazine does make the HPPD work a lot better. It's kind of like 1 plus 1 equals 3. So that's a good thing. Just don't get carried away in your atrazine rate. We don't want you to have any carryover issues. There are other things you could add to HPPD. For example, tough. We've been talking about that on the show recently too. No residual, similar to buckteral, only it's better on pigweeds. Buckteral, not very good on pigweeds. Tough, definitely better. I'm not going to say tough is as good as these other products we mentioned on pigweed. Okay, so to go out there and say, I got a field loaded with pigweeds and I think tough is all I need. Mm, I don't know about that. I would, I'd be adding something else. Personally, I like that HPPD and tough combination or like tougher that, that uh, Belsham's been talking about. That is the premix of tough and HPPD. We should see that next year, hopefully. But anyway, those are really your choices in corn. And then I don't care if we're talking corn or soybeans. You can add a group 15 to your, your post spray. Now, it all depends on the, the height restriction in corn. In, in soybeans, you, you probably have some time. But in corn, many of the group 15s, it ends at 11-inch tall corn. So you can't spray real late. 
But I'm just saying you could throw a group 15 in to give you some more residual and help you out on the pigweeds. All right, let's turn over to soybeans. Dicamba, 2,4-D, Liberty, all of those can be effective if you have the trait that allows you to spray those. Also, if let's say you don't have a trait that allows you to spray those, you just have conventional beans like we have on our farm this year, um, you're kind of left with Cobra or Phoenix, Ultra Blazer, and then Cadet and Resource just are not very good on pigweeds. Uh, personally, I like Cobra and Phoenix better than Ultra Blazer, but they're they're fairly similar. And they're all pretty good on pigweeds. It's just you need to spray the weeds when they're small. If the weeds get sized to them, like over four and especially over six inches tall, it's going to be tough. And Cobra and Phoenix burn, well, Cobra especially burn. Phoenix, by the way, is just safe in Cobra. Uh, Cobra burns the beans pretty good. You can help that out a little bit. We always used to throw in a pound and a quarter of solubore. So that's soluble boron. For whatever reason, when your plant has good levels of boron, it just seems to tolerate the Cobra better. So if you don't have lots of boron in your field already, you could add some solubore with your Cobra. That should safen it a little bit. And then Ultra Blazer has some burn too. So Cobra, Phoenix, Ultra Blazer, Cadet Resource, they are all PPO chemistries. Now, the one PPO that I left out post-emerge that's super popular is Flexstar. Here's why. I would like to plant my corn next year on April 10th. Today, it's June 13th. There's a 10-month rotation restriction, and I don't know that I really want to push that. So I'm just definitely not in a drought, uh, right? And definitely not in a drought. So I'm just saying you got to be a little bit careful with the products that you're using. Again, though, you can add a group 15. So we're going to spray some today on some Liberty beans that we have. Uh, They're actually extend flex, but we're going to spray Liberty and we're adding a group 15 to that. So Liberty plus a group 15. That's great. I mean, Liberty's outstanding on pigweed species. 2,4-D, dicamba, they're real good, but, you know, we're running up against the end date for dicamba. It's already passed in some areas. And on the 2,4-D, you can only go through R1. So that's that's first flower on soybeans. You probably have till, let's call it the 4th of July, maybe just after that. Anyway, there certainly are options with pigweeds in corn and soybeans, but next year, if you can make sure you get the pre on, and by pre, I mean multiple pre's. So you get multiple effective modes of action, preferably three, but at least two. That's really, really going to help you dramatically. Hey, by the way, I mentioned that pigweed, biggest problem on our farm right now. And over the years, it's been kind of interesting. I'm going to say 20 years ago, our biggest problem was Canada thistle. About five to seven years ago, our biggest problem was wild buckwheat. Uh, last year, the year before, our biggest problem was kosher because of the drought. So it all depends on the year, and and you keep it almost kind of seems like you keep chasing your tail. It's like, okay, I, I got that weed under control. Oh wait, there's another weed, and then you get that one under control. Oh wait, here's another weed. <laughs> so anyway, pigweed's the one we're dealing with right now. And you might say, wait a second, you're dealing with this pigweed. You guys like to plant in 30 inch rows in your soybeans. Um, how are you getting your pigweed under control there in conventional soybeans in 30 inch rows? All right, here's how we're doing it. We're going out with the three pre's to begin with. So we would have put on, depends on if it was incorporated or not. So we use some prowl, we use some trifluralin. Otherwise, metribuzin, and then I don't remember if we used authority or valor. Either one's fine. 
So we did that. We got the three pre's on. Then early post, we came with, um, sometimes we'll go Anthem Max, but this year I think it was mainly Warrant Ultra. That's Flexstar and Warrant. And Warrant is the same thing as Harness, just without the corn safener. So we got a Group 15 and a PPO there post. We got the three pre's early. So we already have five chemistries out there. Five. And that's the reason why our fields look as clean as they do right now. I mean, for the most part, they're pretty spotless. So that's great. I'm hoping that holds. Hopefully that's enough. It probably isn't. And that's where we start talking about, okay, we don't have a lot of options yet. We got Cobra and Ultra Blazer, and that's basically it. So that's why, yeah, I'm hoping for the best here. And ideally, in conventional beans, if we want to keep raising conventional beans, we'll probably go back to drilling or 15 intros. All right, let's get to the Egg PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. Uh, oops, there we go. Uh, this one comes in from Mitch. New to farming. Also, I don't come from a farming family. Obviously, I have a lot to learn. I'm in central Virginia. Planted my first 10 acres of corn for a food plot for a hunter. It's conventional seed, and I've got grass coming up. Uh, what can yeah, I do? Big all grass all this happened so far as he did a roundup burn down. Yeah, it looks to me like he got three to four inch tall grass. Let's assume it's annual grass. Your only choice is accent Q. But that corn, it's really hard to tell. I think the corn is small enough that you could do that. But we were just talking about pre-emerge herbicides a minute ago with the pigweeds. I don't care if it's corn or soybeans. We always want to see a pre on. Here's what you want to do in the future for your conventional corn. You go with a full rate of harness, Surpass, Outlook, Dual, any of those, I don't care. Zidua, Outlook, I, I mean, you got you got options. So full rate of a Group 15 pre, and then you will not see all this grass. You might see a tiny little bit. And then you could come with something like an HPPD, like Laudis, and a little bit of Atrazine early post. That'll clean up any remaining grass, hopefully kill all your broadleaves. You're done. You didn't spend an arm and a leg. But yeah, Accent Q is about your only choice. Just... Uh, don't, don't spray that corn when it gets too big. You can check the label. Stay tuned. Be right back. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hard-working Lucento fungicide. Control the toughest diseases with a dual-mode-of-action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucento fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com for hard-working control in your fields. Always read and follow all label directions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we open up our farm to you so you can learn more ways to improve your farm. And the Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, we're featuring guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, numerous panels of the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running in our demo area than we've ever had before. 
We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drinks available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything is free. We know that you're busy and your time is valuable. That's why we do everything we can to make sure the Ag PhD Field Day is a very worthwhile investment of your time. So please, go to agphd.com to learn more and be sure to register to join us at this year's Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel bin full of corn, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 1,000 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712-520-6051. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and we've reached the Ag PhD mailbag time where we're taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the rest of the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. We're also taking your email questions, radio at agphd.com. And I, I got probably my favorite question of the day, Brian, not to put anyone else's question down, but this one comes from a nine-year-old. This comes from Ellis, uh, who farms with his family in Indiana. Uh, Ellis does not miss an episode of Ag PhD. Thank you for that, Ellis. We really appreciate your support. But Ellis wants to know, how late can you spray the three pre's and still have them work? Okay, so it's not about still having them work. It's about hurting the crop. When we talk three pre's and soybeans, here they are again. Metribuzin, which if anything is emerged, it's going to be dead. Uh, Valor Authority, if anything is emerged, it's going to be dead. And then you've got prowl, which could be used in no-till, or you've got trifluralin, which has to be incorporated. So in other words, if you can't till it in anymore, you can't push it into the ground, then the trifluralin will just evaporate on you. So my point here is you can, you can do all these things up until the time that that crop is about to emerge. And then, in now, as I say that, prowl is not labeled after planting in the northern United States, so north of Interstate 80. So if you draw a line through Iowa where about Des Moines is at, that's Interstate 80. And north of that, you can't put prowl on after you've planted. But anyway, uh, if you say, all right, how are they going to work? They're going to need some rain. They're going to need a little less rain if you till them into the ground, if you push them into the ground. But they can still work just fine, even if they sit there for a little while. Let's say you're in no-till, and you spray the prowl, the metribuzin, and either Valor Authority before you plant, and you don't get rain for three weeks. Some people get all worried, and they go, oh, my goodness, it's going to be lost. And I just say, no, it's going to be fine. Unfortunately, 
if you didn't get the rain right when you wanted it, you're not going to get the residual right when you wanted it. So you won't see the type of early, super early control that you might normally expect because you didn't get the rain. But once it starts raining, then the products are going to work. They are going to kill weeds from then on. So in, in terms of how long they last, uh, Valor and Authority will last longer. Metribuzin can actually disappear with lots of rain fairly quickly, but usually we only count on maybe a month's worth of residual out of Metribuzin, a couple months out of Valor and Authority, and maybe longer, depending on the rate that you use, out of Trifluralin and Prowl, you will still see some activity out there. I'm not saying perfect control, but some activity out of Prowl and, and Trifluralin sometimes three months down the road. So anyway, they're good products. And basically, you just have to have them on either pre-plant or pre-emerge. Awesome. Thanks for the question. We really appreciate that, Ellis. And once again, thanks for your support. Get this in from Fran out in Massachusetts. Uh, Fran's wondering, do you guys know of any programs where the government would subsidize beehives, especially for those who want to get started in the industry, especially smaller operations or backyard type things? No, I don't. But that would be something where you could do a little more checking in your area. Maybe there is some local program, but I don't know of any federal program unless there's something new. But I mean... Anyway, I, I would just say ask around a little bit more, check with the uh, the USDA in your area, Farm Service Agency, that kind of thing, and see what they tell you. I, I would say this, bees are tremendously important for agriculture, and we we talk often on the show here about insecticides. We would just encourage you, be careful with your use of insecticides. There is information out there in terms of where roughly beehives are at and things like that. Try to work with your local beekeepers, but then also just, just be cautious about what you're spraying and when you're spraying. And also sometimes understand that the safer option for bees is going to cost a little more money. So for example, let's say you have a soybean aphid problem. That's the only thing you're going after. It's $3 to kill those aphids with a cheap pyrethroid. It's 6 to $8 to kill those same aphids with either transform or safina, but transform and safina are pretty easy on bees. The pyrethroids are not. So if you were worried about bees in your area, we would tell you spend just a little bit more money. And by the way, the nice thing, like with transform and safina, it's a mode of action or the, either one, they're different modes of action. You probably have never used those on your farm before. It's nice to get rotation in anyway. So I mean, there is a another benefit besides just being safe for the bees. It's also, hey, I get a different mode of action, and hopefully that means a better kill, and hopefully that means the pyrethroids can last longer in the future when I actually need them sometime down the road. All right, thanks for the question. Uh, get a couple of um, garden-type questions for you, Brian. First of all, this one comes from Taylor. We've got sweet corn. We've got a sweet corn patch. What can we use pre-emerge and post-emerge if you had a small patch? Obviously, if you're farming large acres, you have access to different products and you may buy large quantities. But if you're only doing a small backyard patch, what would you do as a pre and a post? Well, this gets to be the problem because a lot of these products are available in bigger quantities, which is why there are some people that just resign themselves to the fact that well, I'm just going to go out there with the hoe every few days. It, it, it seems strange because you would think, boy, if I go out with a hoe every few days and I keep the weeds out of there, I should maximize yield. But I'm telling you right now, you won't. 
because weeds are constantly germinating and we want to try to kill them before they ever even come out of the ground. So what we're usually talking to people about is putting down a group 15 herbicide and that way you get the very best grass control. Post-emerge, you can use another group 15 herbicide. So what, what I mean by group 15, that's Harness, Surpass, Outlook, Dual, Zidua, any of those kind of products. And then post-emerge, what we like is an HPPD. Impact is the safest on sweet corn. Impact, along with a little bit of atrazine, is generally the way that I would suggest somebody goes. And then, like I say, add a little more group 15 to that just to give yourself even more residual. The group 15 herbicides, they have no contact activity. They only have residual control on weeds. Now, if there are specific weeds you're after, you can certainly let us know. But that, those are kind of our general recommendations for sweet corn. All right, get this one from Sean. My wife has a garden with sunflowers, sweet corn, and pumpkins. Uh the question is, what herbicide can I use across them? In pumpkins, weed control is really a challenge. Curbit looks like a pretty good choice, but financially, that's not just an option for us. Uh, one thing we found with Prowl, uh, if we have high organic matter soils, having some tough issues getting that one to work as well, uh, tie up or whatnot too could be possible so brand yeah, but you'd need a high rate the problem is you got to use different products because prowl is great on great for sunflowers but it's going to kill your corn or at least yeah dramatically injure the roots that, that's the thing there really isn't a lot of crossover here of what could be used even to find stuff to use in two of the three crops so right. to me i i would look at what can i do with uh, whether it's mulch or whether it's uh, tarp or something okay. down around well, those plants just to hold weeds down. All right, hold up, though. When you start talking about mulch, that's going to tie up a whole bunch of your nitrogen. And when we've got crops like sunflowers and sweet corn that need lots of nitrogen, especially the sweet corn, it needs lots of nitrogen, then now, you, yeah, you save money on the herbicide, but now you got to spend more money on the fertilizer because you're going to get tie up of that nitrogen. So that, I, I guess I'm just, I'm very concerned about that. And so ideally what we would prefer to have you do is have all three of these things separate. And I know you might say, well, I can't do that. It's not going to work. Okay. I get it. But if you could, what we like talking about in sunflowers is always start with at least a couple modes of action pre-emerge because there's really nothing you can do post. So Spartan is an absolute must that has to be out there. And then you could go with a yellow plus like dual, for and example. Yellow would be your pendimethalin. Yeah. Yep. Prowl or or sonalan or trifluralan if you were tilling it in. Sweet corn, you have to stay away from those yellows. They are going to do serious damage to you. And even the Spartan is not going to be labeled there. So in sweet corn, what we prefer, and we were just talking about this, group 15s, you could use HPPDs, uh, and even sharpen pre-emerge. So like verdict along with that group 15 if you want. But yeah, then you get to pumpkins and it's, it's real challenging. Uh, not a lot of options there. Uh, reflex, command, you could do dual just in between the rows and you can't incorporate things like that. Otherwise, you're right, Kerbit's not a bad option. Yeah, it's tough when you get multiple crops in the same place. And we often talk about that. Hey, I want to have a hay crop and I also want to have some legumes in there too. It gets to be a challenge for weed control when, when you don't have just one crop at a time. Thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.